You're listening to audio from Grace Community Church in Anger, North Carolina. More information about Grace Community Church can be found at graceccnc.org. Well, I thought these guys were taking my words a couple of weeks ago as a challenge. They had 12 on nine seats a while ago, but some of them have moved over. I think others may have sent them over, these guys are at an age where, you know, if deodorant is not applied. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. You guys, you guys, yeah. What's that? Oh, you can try and fit more. No, that's okay. That's okay. For the sake of us all, please do not try to fit more on that. On those seats. Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you were here. A lot of people traveling both ways, going out today, coming back. Some of you will be be, be leaving here today, and a lot of people will be coming back. A lot of family are here. We have family. We had a huge, big crowd at our home this week, as we often do at either Thanksgiving or Christmas. And Aaron Hunziker is back with us from Italy. <clears throat> Aaron's parents in America are Lee and Stacy. I mean, they go up to school where he is in Ohio. They bring him down here. He's been hanging out with them. We saw him and snagged him to sit with us today, but uh, <laughs> it's good to have Aaron here. I almost thought we should have videoed this and sent it back to Italy and let him see. So thank you all for being here. Many of you, if you're not with family today, you have had family here this week uh, in Wake County or Harnett County. Um, I just want to ask, how was your Thanksgiving? Good food? Yes. Drama-free? Uh, let, let me rephrase that. I, I know that that's not entirely... Limited drama, I do hope, uh, in your homes this week. May I ask you a really personal question? Now, you can answer this. We're going to have testimony time. It'll be a short sermon today. Then we're going to have testimony time. Uh, but you can answer... Well, actually, do not answer this uh, question a little bit later. Did you feel right at home with your family, or did you feel perhaps somewhat displaced? Like, something's not quite right here. Now look, if you, if you go the entire week with family and nobody has at least a little bit of that feeling, you've got an amazing family. You may already be dead and in heaven. That's <laughs> what I have to say. I don't know. Sometimes family gatherings can be more than a little... Troubling, not only because you have difficulty navigating all the different personalities and the not quite identifiable expectations, but for whatever reason, you might feel here or there like you just don't belong. And if you feel that way, trust me, you're not alone. Sometimes it's just that way. None of us want it to be that way, but sometimes it feels that way. <clears throat> Here's a question, it's a little less personal, uh, but has a far greater impact on your day in and day out life. You can handle a little bit of awkwardness at family gatherings, can't you? Because you love those people so much. But as a committed follower of Christ, do you sometimes just feel displaced in the world? I mean, do others at work or in your neighborhood applaud your Christian values or... Do they accuse you 
of being thoughtless and in fact shaming victims in the world and in the process heap shame upon you. Look, this culture that we live in is full of irony. And don't just look at the other people and say, that is so ironic that you say that. I can't believe you say that. Look in the mirror and say that. We are all inconsistent in the way that we live our lives in community, in the larger community of America, and even within the community of the church and the community of the, of the family. If you can identify with any of the above, any of the above, then you're about one-tenth, no, maybe one-one-hundredth of what the people of Israel were feeling when Isaiah wrote his prophecy to them, especially Isaiah 60. He was writing to a people who were going to be coming back from Babylon some 150, 150 years in the future, back from captivity of the Babylonians, who were cruel, but they were still under the rule of the Persians. And as they came back straggling in to, to, to Jerusalem, they were aware that somebody else controlled their movements, their, their, their thoughts, their political activity. And really, everything that they did, somebody else was in charge of what they could and could not do. I mean, sure, they were home, but it just wasn't at all the same home that the people had left. The people coming back, if any of them had been alive when they were taken captive, they would be very, very old at this time. And some were. There were some old ones who came back and realized what they had left years before. The glory of Jerusalem was no more. They were thinking, where is my place? What is left for me? If they accepted the stories that they heard about Jerusalem's former glory, they accept, accepted them by faith. When you think about it, the true miracle was that any of God's covenant people, the people of Israel, were coming home. In fact, one of the greatest miracles of the day is not polio vaccine. It's not flight. It's not the internet. It's the fact that Jews are alive today. That is a miracle. When you understand what the people have gone through. And by the way, Suki, who is with Jonathan and Sarah this morning, also a filmmaker. John's a filmmaker. Suki's a filmmaker. And Sarah is the real star of the entire family. So... We, we have uh, some really famous people with us this week. Maybe you've never heard of them, but they're famous to us. But um, I forgot what I was going to say. It was really good, too. It's, really, it's a great analogy. It'll come back. Maybe. Suki and I were talking about this last night. When I went to Israel in the early 80s, I went two years in a row. I was blessed to go with Jimmy Johnson, who Jim and Joy went with before. You've been to Israel, right, Joy? Yes, and with Jimmy Johnson. But it was his last two trips, and, and, and so quite a blessing for me. But the first year we were there, our guide said, if you want to know about Israel, you want to know about the Jewish people, read two books. One is O Jerusalem. It's about the 1948 war. It, it is fascinating read. It's um, the first three chapters, like most history, a little bit slow, a little bit just laying a foundation. But then 
It's like a novel and you cannot put it down. So, oh, Jerusalem. But the big one that you really ought to read to understand the history of the Jewish people is a novel. It's The Source by James Michener, whose name everyone knew 30 years ago. And no one knows today if you've not, if you've not been exposed to any of his novels. But he would write these huge novels. That's like 1,100 pages. So you've got to be serious about it. But when you, it, it, it's these three archaeologists, one Catholic, one Jewish uh, um, archaeologist, and a Muslim archaeologist. They're all on this dig, and, and they're at a tell in just north of Israel, Jerusalem, Megiddo. If you've been to Israel, you know that's what they were using as a model. And so in the old ancient days, when someone would build a city, they were looking for four things. Jonathan, I said, if I ask you this before, he said, many, many times you've asked me this before. Um, and expect it many, many more times, John. Water, food, transportation routes, and safety. And what made uh, a, a place, a good, uh, an area, a good place to build, made it also a good place to rebuild once an enemy had come in and torn the walls down. Everything was rubble. So you get, you get these layers of civilization built up on one another. There are like three of them, I think, in Israel. And <clears throat> so you can imagine it's an archaeological gold mine. I mean, you find, from centuries, you find artifacts. And so what Michener did was they would find something from prehistoric days in, in his way of thinking... Uh, and so they'd go back and tell a story. Then they found something in the Abrahamic time. And, and it takes in the Jewish travails in um, Europe during the Inquisition. Just all kinds of things. It's a fascinating book. And you will. I learned so much about Josephus and Martin Luther that I did not know reading uh, this novel back in the day. And so the Jewish people just surviving... Satan has tried to take them out every step of the way. And they live today. Um, Isaiah 60, which really we heard several of the truths from Isaiah 60 in the music today. I hope you were paying attention or I hope this jogged your memory when we read through in just a moment. Yahweh is not only asking his people to believe that he has everything under control. But that there is a day coming when Jerusalem will be the envy of the world. And the Jewish people will be passionately sought by the wealthy and the beautiful of the world. That's the context for Isaiah 60. Which, uh, which says that everything is not as it shall be. Not everything is not as it should be and everything is not as it will be. In just a moment, I'm going to read through Isaiah 60 with very little comment. If we have time, we'll go through Matthew 5 and the Beatitudes, but I doubt it. <clears throat> because we want to take time this morning to just share God's goodness. It's a day of Thanksgiving. Our hearts are, are full, most of us, in addition to our stomachs being full after this weekend. And we just want to share with one another what the Lord... I'd love to hear how the Lord has impressed something upon you from the book of Isaiah this year that we've spent uh, in this great, great uh, Old Testament prophecy. So, Isaiah 60 encourages God's 
covenant people in our day to live as followers of Jesus. In this upside down world to which we have been assigned, your place has been assigned by the Lord to be alive right here and now in our area and with the people that he has brought into your life. Truly, this is going to be mostly scripture. I'm just going to read through Isaiah 60. And since I'll be reading the entire 60th chapter, I'm going to just ask you to stay uh, seated while the scripture is being read. And as we stand on the brink of this Advent season, when we will think mostly about Jesus coming to earth the first time, um, we also need to anticipate his second advent when he comes again to right all the wrongs. And I just, before I read and pray, I just saw little Rosie over here and Sarah. I'm so grateful for the Lord's blessing on the Calverts um, and on a lot of you who have had some difficult times this week. This has been a difficult week for our church. Not everything is known. People have been through a lot, but... We're on this side of the week giving thanks to the Lord for his goodness. And let's uh, seek the Lord's blessing in prayer before we read it. Father, we recognize as we have been in this book of Isaiah all year long, that there's a great deal about you and about your ways and about your truth that we do not yet understand. I, I would have to say, and I surely hope many others would say that we know more than we did 11 months ago. And Father, as we continue to grow I pray that you would increasingly turn our hearts toward the day when everything is as it should be. And not so that we can escape our responsibilities, both within the covenant community and in the communities in which we live. Not in any way to escape those responsibilities, but so that we can desire the kingdom and we can pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Uh, your will be done, your kingdom, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, Lord, as we read your word this morning, we pray that our hearts would be lifted in anticipation for the day on which we will see you. And it's in the name of Christ that we pray. Verse 1, see if you recall this from the music today. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. 
They come to you. Your son shall come from afar. And your daughter shall be carried from on the hip. Now just think about this. <clears throat> the Jewish people are scattered throughout uh, that part of the world. <clears throat> They've been going in a lot of different directions. And they're, they're a handful of them straggling back to Israel. And, and, and they're thinking it's just never going to be the same. And he's like, well, one of these days it will be. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. To Jerusalem? <clears throat> the way it is now? A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah and all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense. What's that about? And shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. All the flocks of Kedar shall be gathered to you. And the rams of Nebaoth shall minister to you. They shall come up with acceptance on my altar. And I will beautify my beautiful house. Who are these that fly like a cloud and like doves to their windows? For the coastland shall hope for me, the ships of Tarshish first, to bring your children from afar, their silver and gold with them. For the name of the Lord your God and for the Holy One of Israel, because he has made you beautiful. Foreigners shall build up your walls and their king shall minister to you. For in my wrath I struck you, but in my favor I have had mercy on you. Your gates shall be open continually. Day and night they shall not be shut. That people may bring to you the wealth of the nations. With their kings led in procession. For the nation and kingdom that shall not serve you, that will not serve you, will perish or shall perish. These nations shall be utterly laid waste. The glory of Lebanon shall come to you. The cypress, the plain, and the pine. To beautify the place of my sanctuary. And I will make the place of my feet glorious. The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bending low to you. And all who despised you shall bow at your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord. The Zion of the Holy One of Israel. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever. Now again, some of you feel like, I don't know where my place is. Things just haven't gone like I expected them to go. I don't feel like I belong. If you belong to Jesus, this is what he's saying to you. Whereas you have been forsaken and hated with no one passing through, I will make you majestic forever. A joy, not just for a brief moment, from age to age. You shall suck the milk of nations and you shall nurse at the breast of kings and you shall know that I the Lord am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. Instead of bronze, I will bring gold. 
Instead of iron, I will bring silver. Instead of wood, bronze. Instead of stones, iron. I will make your overseers peace and your taskmasters righteousness. Everything will be right. Violence shall be no more heard in your land. Devastation or destruction within your borders. You shall call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun shall be no more your light by day, nor for brightness shall the moon give you light. Does this remind you of anything in Revelation maybe? But the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun shall be no more or shall no more go down nor your moon withdraw itself. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your days of mourning shall be ended. Your people shall all be righteous. They shall possess the land forever. The branch of my planning, the work of my hands, that I might be glorified, God's glory, his people's good. The least one shall become a clan, and the smallest one a mighty nation. I am the Lord in its time. I will hasten it. I, look, I said this a few weeks ago, but I have to say it again with this uh, last verse. This is the way of the Lord. This is what God does. A lot of times when something goes awry in your life and you pray, God, please deliver me from this or please allow this to happen, please. And it feels like silence for not only day after day, but week after week, even year after year. You just wait, wait, wait. And it feels like it's never going to happen. And then all of a sudden, something happens and it goes boom, boom, boom. Just really quickly, the Lord moves. That's the way he does things. You remember that time in your life when that happened? You had no idea how it was going to work. And you just waited and you prayed and you prayed. And then all of a sudden, everything fell into place. One thing after another. Well, perhaps you don't know where your place is in this world. In God's eyes, when you trust his promises in Jesus, then you're the most important person in the world. And everything he said about the nation of Israel applies to you. He loves you and cares for you that much. I know that would be encouraging to you if it were not only in his eyes. That if other people felt Look, again, by faith, what else matters? What else matters? Several of you have read Jaber Crow, Wendell Berry's fictional account of the bachelor barber in the Port Williams series. It beautifully, this, this Port Williams, if you've never read anything by Wendell Berry, uh, if you get impatient, don't even start. It just, you're just going to have to settle down in this little river town of Kentucky back in the mid-20th century and, and just let some of this stuff wash over you. You have to think about it, read for a while, then just put it down and contemplate. Uh, to read Wendell Berry's Port Williams books is to reflect on life at a level that most of us Never engage in our world. And one of the reasons we don't is because we don't have time to think about things like they did in Port Williams. 
We are no less human, though. And we're no less eternal beings than Jaber Crow, them were Jaber Crow, Hannah Coulter, and Old Jack. And so Barry's books not only warm the heart, but they also profit the soul. You will greatly profit if you will read one of his books. Near the end of Jaber Crow, our good friend by this point in the book is reflecting on his life. And he thinks these thoughts that move me deeply every time I read them. I imagine I've shared them before with you, but let's do it again. Quote, here's what he says. Nearly everything that has happened to me has happened by surprise. All the important things have happened by surprise. And whatever has been happening usually has happened before I have had time to expect it. The world doesn't stop because you are in love or in mourning or in need of time to think. And so when I have thought that I was in my story or in charge of it, I really have been only on the edge of it, carried along. Is this because we are in an eternal story that is happening partly in time? I think it is. <laughs> and I think, I think more so after being in Isaiah 60 this week than I've ever thought in my life. So this week at home group, take time. To contemplate the beautiful truth that is found in Isaiah 60. It begins to make a lot more sense when you look at life from an eternal point of view. All right. We were going to go to Matthew 5. And maybe I'll read those at the very end. The Beatitudes just to read them. Uh, but we're going to take some time for testimonies. Uh, I don't want you to be intimidated. But we're going to have muscle on the mics today. Uh, John Bart and Ricky Lee are going to, uh, and so this is just to make sure nobody misbehaves. If you do the right thing, this will be no trouble for you. Uh, <laughs> but you just don't want to get these guys upset with you. And after, <laughs> they're going to be upset with me and I'm going to be in a world of hurt, as we say, after the, after the service, perhaps. Um, at the end of the service, we're going to have our benevolence offering that we skipped last month. So I hope you've come prepared to give double to benevolence, which gives us grand opportunity to serve people in our body and, and out of our body. So hopefully you'll be able to give generously. And I do have, I, I got to follow up on what Lee was saying. I'm so glad he said what he did about giving and the perspective that you gain from older Folks, especially if you're young, this is really important. Look, giving is not a burden. Whether you believe everything that Jesus said or not, you've got to believe some things are, are shown over and over and over. I believe everything Jesus said. Let me just make that very clear. But when Jesus says it's better to give than to receive if you've lived any length of time, you know that's true. You know that's true. As I've told you over and over, when it comes to tithing, just giving a tenth of your, 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 your money. Look, people who are not in church and give 10% of their money live life far better than those who hang on to every penny, who are constantly scrounging. I've never known anybody ever, ever to say, 
well, we started tithing and it just ruined us financially. I've never known anybody to say that. And those of you who are young, look, this, I'm using you as a pretense to get to the older folks. If you don't start now, you never will. That's a challenge to you older folks to say, well, I'll show you. <clears throat> but actually, we have a very high percentage of people in our church that give regularly. I don't have any idea what you give. I don't want to know what you give because I don't want to treat you any differently. And there are just a few people who know <clears throat> what everybody gives. But it's a good number of families that give what probably is a tithe. We don't know what you make. But a lot of you, and that's great. But especially those of you who are young, if you don't start now, it's going to be so much more difficult to start later. But here's the thing I'm going to tell you. Young families, if, you're, if you've never given at that level before, and you are thinking, our budget can't stand it. We're barely making it now. You'll be shocked at how the Lord provides for you when you just make the decision to give. Start small if you need to. Start at 3%. Go to 5%. Make it 10 eventually. Is it commanded in the New Testament at that level? Not really. What God says is you ought to have a joyful heart and give according to what you think you ought to give. But 10% are really great. A really great uh, spot to start. Now I'm taking all your testimony time. I'm coming down here. But I, the Dave Ramsey thing that uh, Lee was talking about, the class that he was talking about, <laughs> is so... Good way, the way he tells about what happens when you structure your life around giving. He, spend, he waits to the end, but then he begins to talk about giving. And again, another one of those brilliant thoughts that's out of my mind. So I'll come back in the middle of the testimonies when it seems very inappropriate. So <laughs> let's begin our time by just sharing God's goodness. Who wants to give a, a, just a word of, of, of praise for for what God has done in your life of late. And if no other reason to be thankful, then certainly God's faithfulness uh, is a reason for all of us to be thankful and rejoice. Our uh, benediction this morning comes from 1 Thessalonians. Uh, Going to skip around just a little bit. But in verse 16, it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And skipping down to verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. All God's people said, go in peace. Thank you for listening to audio from Grace Community Church located in North Carolina. Feel free to make copies of this audio content to share with others. But please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Grace Community Church, go to graceccnc.org.